Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, direct response marketing expert, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by David Finkel. David is the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of 11 books. His work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg Business Weeks, Fox Business, MSNBC, Inc., Fast Company, and Forbes. He is a serial entrepreneur and the CEO of Maui Mastermind, one of the world's premier business coaching companies, which has worked with over 100,000 business leaders, helping them grow their companies and get their lives back. Over the past 20 years, David and other Maui coaches and advisors have personally started and scaled companies with an aggregate value of 63 billion dollars that's billion with a b david thank you so much for joining us oh seth it's a pleasure thank you for having me uh, it is our pleasure let's go back in time a little bit because i know you didn't wake up one morning as the ceo of maui mastermind having <laughs> incubated 63 billion dollars worth of value so how did you get started yeah my original start was a failed business i was 22 years old in college I still remember the expression on my parents' face when I said, I'm dropping out to, to start a wholesale business selling uh, vitamins, minerals, and other types of nutritional supplements. They, they were horrified. And, I, you know, it was a great experience. Ten months later, I lost my life savings, like 3200 bucks at that point. And I went, you know, kind of tail between my legs back into college and playing sports. That was a big part of my life then. But that was my first one. And the first success I had was right after I, I finished the 10-year plan on college. I was playing sports to train to hopefully play in the Olympics, but I got hurt. And when that ended, I started a company in 2007 with a business partner. And he was someone who knew quite a bit about real estate. I didn't. And I uh, became the junior partner in this company that did real estate trainings and coaching. And for about the first year, he did all the, the actual teaching side, and I did all the behind-the-scenes part. And uh, after about a year, I'm like, this stuff isn't that complicated. Why don't you share with me how you do what you do? And if we can rep replicate you and me, here we have, we've just doubled our capacity on the coaching side. That was early on and we did. And, and so I sold that company uh, back in 2005. You know, we were growing at, at the, for about a seven year period, we were growing at about, about a hundred percent annualized growth rate. So it was a pretty fast scaling company. And uh, all things considered, I got out at a really nice time. It wasn't my passion anymore. I mean, once, you, once you've coached real estate, 
there's only so many different types of transactions that got a little boring. And I've, I've always loved business and I've always found it a puzzle and a challenge. And so when I sat down and said, well, now that I get to start any company that I want to, too young to retire at 35. And I realized I still wanted to do the teaching and the coaching around business. It just was very interesting for me. It was a way to make a difference. And it was also something I saw would be a, an enlivening thing to do. And, and so I did that. And I started Maui Mastermind back about 16 years ago and been doing it ever since. That is absolutely incredible. So you started Maui Mastermind. Obviously, you've grown it. What do you think is responsible? What are some of the key factors in your meteoric growth rate and the ripple effect you've been able to have? Yeah, it's interesting. So if, if I were to talk to any business owner, I, I would tell them two things that made the biggest difference for me that I would really encourage them to, to not just give lip service to, but to, to really embrace. The first is what we call the fewer better concept. You know, I was talking with one of the clients we coached here earlier today, and he's got a really successful medical group. You know, he's got multiple clinics. And in his space, though, we, it's so easy to get lost with a thousand things you could do. And, and any entrepreneur or business owner gets this. You know, I've got a million things on my to-do list, plus I have all these ideas that keep coming to me from books and podcasts like Sharpreneur that tell me things to do, but I can't do them all. And so we say for any business, you have what we call your fewer better, the three to five things in that business that actually make a real difference. It might be a market opportunity that you're going after, the one that makes the biggest chance for growth. It might be the core business itself, making sure you don't forget what got you there. You know, It might be a core value that you have. Um, and so remembering that. And so what it does is every quarter when you think about what you want to accomplish in the next 90 days and put that into your, your plan, it lets you shrink the universe of what you could do so that you focus on those things that you know will make the biggest difference. And then the second kind of piece of advice I think has made the biggest difference for me um, has been this idea that we don't get paid for time served. We get paid for value created. And it's easy to say that, but but if that's true, then in my business, I need to ask myself and be really rigorous. Where do I give my best time to? Um, I've been coaching entrepreneurs now for you know 25 years. And I will tell you that all of them say they get this, but probably fewer than 10% before I start working with them actually do. I would say that most of their time goes to the squeaky wheel, goes to the thing that's immediate, goes to the thing that's easy, email and other meetings that they have. And their remnant time goes to the things that matter most. If we can flip that on the head and if we can create a, a time structure where 5, 10, 15 hours a week of their very best attention goes to the things that matter most, and then with the remaining 20, 30, 40 hours, they do the things that they feel they have to do. But if you put your best time on your biggest, most important, fewer, better, it's amazing how fast you grow. And, and it's growth that's uh, independent of the hours that you're working. It's growth that you're broken the one-to-one -one relationship of one hour worked, one unit of value created. And that's probably the, the toughest thing to actually do. And it requires more of a mental leap than anything else. That is absolutely incredible. Now you've, and, and great advice, I'm taking furious notes. You've written 11 best-selling books. Tell us about, um, you've got a very special offer that we're gonna get into later um, on the show, but tell us a little bit about uh, the book that you're, we're going to be generously giving away later. I, certainly. So the last book that I did was called Build a Business, Not a Job. You know, people kept asking me, David, what, what is it you do? And I said, well, that's essentially what we do. We help a business owner move from being self-employed or move from being a, 
an owner dependent company to build an owner independent business. And so after having enough people ask me about that, I made that a topic of a book. So we just came out with a third edition of that. And uh, I'll, I'll mention what I talked about here, for example, about how do you structure your time so that your five or 10 hours of best attention time in, in actual blocks of time go to the most important things. There's a chapter six. I would really encourage any of your listeners to get, but they can get a hold of that on our website, MauiMastermind.com, and it has a link there for the book. And uh, they can get a copy of that if they want, the Kindle version or the iBook version or PDF. Or if they want, we'll even ship them a copy of a hardcover of that. Um, they're going to pay shipping and handling if that's the option. But the book itself is free. It's one of the things we've learned, which is, and, and this would be important for any entrepreneur, if you give value first in a relationship, it's amazing what happens for you. And so this would be one way if they want to take advantage of it. That is absolutely a wonderful offer. We greatly appreciate it. Now, you're talking about how to create a business, not a job. What do you mean by that? Because I'm sure so many of our listeners feel like they were originally working for someone else. They started their own business. And now the, the boss that they got rid of, the one they didn't like, got replaced by themselves, a boss they may like even less. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the, the, the dozens or hundreds or thousands of customers that have become their boss and all the employees that they have now that in some weird way, I don't know how it is, alchemy or what, that they've become their boss too. So three levels of building a company. So you have level one, level two, and level three. So level one is a startup. You're scrambling to find those early customers. You're trying to reach the point of profitability. Level two is that owner-dependent company. The company works, but it works because you, the owner, are there day in, day out. You're not there. Things start to slowly degrade or quickly degrade. A level three business is an owner-independent company. It really has the sound systems, the cross-trained team there. It has a leadership team as well. And the business has a, a life and, 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 and existence independent of the owner. The owner might contribute and might make it better, but they're not there out of obligation. So build a business, not a job says, well, most business owners have built a level two business. It works, but it only works as long as the owners they're personally producing, personally overseeing. And, and stats are staggering. You know, the U.S. Census Bureau, the last census that came out, they found that 86 plus percent of businesses in the U.S. were owner dependent. Now, they didn't use that exact stat, but when you read between what they said, 86 plus percent of businesses in the U.S. still require the owner to be the one significantly in charge of either operations, sales marketing, or the financial part of the business. I mean, if they're not there, the business doesn't work. And so there's a pro process, a pathway to take that would help a person who has an owner dependent company to incrementally and reliably grow past that point. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not like it's going to be a wake up tomorrow morning and you no longer have to show up for work. But right. I, I'll tell you a, a number of people who we work with will say, Hey, before this, I was working 70, 80 plus hours a week. Uh, I might've taken one or two weeks of vacation, but even when I got back, things were, you know, needed to be cleaned up or decisions were stalled. And then here they are two, three, four years later, and they're like, wow, I've, I'm, I'm still working, but I'm working maybe 35 or 45 hours a week. And I'm taking six or eight weeks of vacation. And, you know, when I come back, the business is doing really well. Um, and it, matter of fact, has even grown while I was gone. And, and they're shocked by that because that's a very different state of affairs for them. That makes total sense. Now, obviously, we'd all love to get to that level. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see business owners and entrepreneurs making that keeps them stuck? 
I'll give you the biggest one. It's actually a medical condition called controlitis. It's the inflammation <laughs> of your control gland. And, and I know it. Look, I mean, if you were to talk with my wife right now, she would be laughing at me saying this because I might just be one of the world's most controlling people. And most entrepreneurs are. We, we, we want to control our own fate, fate and our destiny. And we know how things should be. But the problem is the tighter we grip our company, the more brittle the business is, even if it's successful. Because if there's a disruption to us, if we get hurt or we're away, the business really suffers. And so one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from one of my business mentors. And she's a woman who has built, you know, a couple hundred million dollars worth of company. She's had a, but she's still been married to her, her original husband. And I think they've been married now for like 50 some odd years. I mean, I just really respect her. She's raised her kids who are quality individuals, everything that I want to do in my life, you know, have a great marriage, have a great children that can be independent in the world and a business that does good in the world and is immensely profitable. She's done these things. And she said something to me about seven or eight years ago that I still remember. And she said, David, I want you to take an index card and I want you to write one question on the index card. And every time a staff member comes to you with a question or, or wants a decision, I want you to pick up the index card and let it be a reminder to read the question on the card. And I, I did this because it was horrible. People would bring me stuff. And what I would do is I would solve it. You know, I was a, I was an answer looking for a question to solve. I, I love the way it made me feel good about myself. I love the control it gave me because I thought that uh, my ideas were good. And her, her question was this, I don't know. What do you think we should do here? <laughs> and it took me probably two years. I kid you not, Seth, two years to actually get used to asking this question. At first, I felt ridiculous. And I would oftentimes not actually ask the question. What I realized was when I started helping people grow so they could answer their own questions appropriately, you know, if they're asking me a mission-critical business question that, that the fate of my company's on and they're not ready for that decision, of course, I'm going to give them training wheels. But assuming they're capable of it, I, I want them to do it. And, and if they struggle with it, here's another way of asking the same question. You know, if it was up to you, Seth, what would you do here? If it was 100% up to you, what would you do here? And what I discovered was probably, depending on the team member, Five times out of 10 to maybe as many times as nine times out of 10, they would do exactly what I thought was the right thing. And when they had the, they had the right answer according to what I thought, I would just say, that's great. I really like your idea, not my idea, your idea. And uh, tell me how it works out. And then the two or three times out of 10, I thought their answer was off. Rather than just giving them the better answer or the answer I wanted, I would help ask them some more questions. You know, tell me why you thought that initially. And hmm. Have you considered this, though? How would that impact that? And taking all this into consideration, gosh, what, what do you think we really should do here? And I found that my team started growing, and they started making decisions themselves. And funny enough, when they made the decision, they implemented on it a lot better because they had some ownership with it. They were engaged, and they had ownership. Turnover dropped. People were happier, and fewer and fewer people brought questions to me. It was amazing. That, that is, I wrote it down. I put it on a post-it note. I stuck it on my monitor. That is absolutely awesome. I'm, I mean, if for no other reason, selfishly, I'm really glad we did this interview because I have been guilty of <laughs> answeritis, you know, want to myself. Wow. Um, I think you might've just cured my, you know, like 20 year toxic disease. So thank you. Can I, can I give you one more? It's a different one. This would be oh for the God, person who's course. got maybe a more mature. Okay. So this would be to the business owner who your company is a little bit more mature 
Um, maybe it's what I'll call advanced stage level two. You've started to build a leadership team, but you're not done yet. Um, you've got good systems in place in some areas, but not all. The business still needs you, but it's starting to grow independent, like an adolescent. It's not quite ready to be on its own. He or she still needs mom and dad, but, but you don't have to have a babysitter every moment of the day. And so a friend of mine, a different person, um, he gave me this one. It was golden. Um, he, this is a guy who runs retail stores and his business is, I don't know, it's probably does maybe 80 plus million a year in sales. So the, the guy knows what he's doing and he calls it can't do, won't do, don't know how. And so early on, we as business leaders struggle with how do we deal with our people later as you start growing your, your, your leaders underneath you, your managers underneath you, they might not have the same experience and the same intuition that it took you 10 or 20 years of being in business to, to, to determine and to build. And so, for example, when I look at people's behavior now, I ask this question, when someone's not doing what they need to do, or they're doing a behavior that just doesn't serve the company, I would ask the question, which is, can't do, won't do, don't know how. Is this that they just, they can't do it. They'll never be able to do this. You know, I'm this position, like, for example, I was talking with a one of our companies that we coach and they have, um, I do about 36 million a year in sales and they have accounts receivable of about 7 million outstanding. So their collections have been horrible. And so the good news is it's an easy place to make an immediate difference to cash flow. But they have a person that they have Jody who does their collection calls. And I just thought I asked the question to him. I said, can't do, won't do, or don't know how. And what's obvious is Jody just can't do these collection calls. It's just fundamentally, she's a bookkeeper. She's not someone who's going to do these types of collection calls effectively. No matter how much training you give her, no matter how much work you work with her, she's just the wrong person for it. Now, you could also say won't do. Hey, she could do it, but she just refuses to. So can't do means you have to put them in a different role. You have to coach around it, or unfortunately, they can't, they can't be there to work for you. That's not going to change. Won't do, you have an adult conversation hey, this needs to change or you won't be here. They still won't do. They need to work somewhere else. Don't know how means they just need some training. They need some mentoring. They need some coaching to help them learn how to do it. And I found that when I ask it in that frame, it simplifies my people's decisions greatly. I don't take it personally. You know, it's not Jody's fault if she can't do it. That's just not in her makeup. So I'm not going to try to make someone who's incredible at bookkeeping do something that doesn't come natural in a way that they just, they just aren't going to be able to do that. Now, if it's a won't do, that's a different matter. And that becomes, we have a heart to heart adult conversation. So I love this. Can't do, won't do, don't know how. That is absolutely brilliant. I, man, you are dropping golden nuggets left and right. I, I, I know your time's incredibly valued and we've come to the end of our interview. I wish we could, we could, pick your brain for hours, but that's what Maui Mastermind is for. So we greatly, <laughs> greatly appreciate your time. Um, for David Finkel, we'll send everyone to MauiMastermind.com to get their free downloadable copy of the book, or you're generously giving it away for free and they just have to pay the shipping if they want the physical one. MauiMastermind.com. Is that correct? It is, Seth. And I really enjoy getting a chance to talk with you and your Sharkpreneur audience. So thank you for having me on here today. Thank you. Thank everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks again, David. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level, but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH 
to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch sheet. sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.